Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. This episode is sort of a companion piece to our earlier episode called Three Deciders, and it's brought to you, as always, by Skyway Acquisition. Visit skywayacq.com to learn more. All right, let's get started. Back in episode 118, we introduced the idea of the three groups of people who are part of awarding a contract, the acquisition team. Yeah, call them the three deciders. There's the economic decider, the customer, and the contracting officer. And these players all play key roles throughout the acquisition time zones that lead up to contract award. And at contract award... Then the contracting officer awards the contract and the activities change from pre-award to post-award. So the acquisition process is over and now it's time for execution. And we switch from acquisition time zones to the execution time zones. So after the decision to award has been made... The, the deciding is over, the decision to award. The deciding <laughs> yeah, now, is over. Now it's about doing. <laughs> now it's time to do. So in the execution time zones, we're going to talk about the three doers, the process after the contract is awarded. Before we get into that, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this time goes to Sven Kummelt. Sven is the president of Seven Government Solutions and Consulting. And I want to thank Sven for being an active supporter of our Contracting Officer podcast. And he likes and shares our episodes and posts on LinkedIn a lot. And that really helps people find us. And that helps us make government contracting better, one contract at a time. Thanks, Sven. All right, Kevin, let's review the three deciders. The three deciders are, like I said, they're in the, the before award. They're the three groups of people that decide what's going to happen to get a contract awarded. It's the economic decider, the customer, and the contracting officer. The economic decider decides if something's going to be bought. The customer decides what is going to be bought. And then the contracting officer decides how it's going to be bought. We cover this in episode 118 of the podcast. And it's also one of our most popular training sessions because all three of these deciders are required in every contract that's awarded. And then when the contract is awarded. Now we switch over to the three doers. Now we're focused on getting the work done. We're no longer deciding, we're doing, <laughs> we're executing, right? Some of these may be the same people. Sometimes the role is titled the same, but the people change. The main difference is rather than an economic decider that they've already funded, they've reserved the funding so that the contract can be awarded. Rather than the economic decider, the contractor, the industry is now part of the three doers. There are still three roles. There's a customer, the contractor, and the contracting officer. The customer is concerned about the need. They, they're the one that has the need the contract is for. The need, the, the mission that they're trying to support, the mission that they're trying to satisfy. Yeah, they, they endured the acquisition time zones and that whole process to get the stuff that they need during the execution time zones after contract award. So what they care about as one of the three doers, is the stuff that the contract was for. They have the need. They still have the need. The product or the service that is going to be delivered. The contractor can deliver that need. They have the solution to the need that the customer has. The purpose of the contractor being one of the doers is they're doing the work yeah. that the contract is for. Yep. They're, they're, part of, they're a partner now rather, rather than a, a competitor. They're a partner in getting things done. 
Exactly. Uh, one, one of our Skyway team members, Steve Lucianetti, you've heard him on the podcast. He talks about after we've selected a contractor, now we're working together Yeah. because we're trying to get the work done, right? And so this is a great example of that. The third of the three doers is the contracting officer, except now they're no longer deciding how it's going to get done. They're executing how it's getting done. They're managing the contract. They're responsible for ensuring that the contract effectively works. And we'll talk all about what that all means. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Let's link this to the FAR. Every contracting officer podcast should have some reference to the FAR. <laughs> we, we try anyway. FAR 1.602C describes the acquisition team. It says the acquisition team consists of all participants in the government acquisition, including not only representatives of the technical supply and procurement communities, which are known as the contracting officer group, the contracting officer doers, but also the customers they serve, which is the customer, the second side, the user, who the, the, the group that needs the stuff that you're delivering here. Yeah, the second doer. And I guess back to the quote, and the contractors who provide the products and services. Which is the third doer, right? We have all three of them. We have the contracting officer, we have the customer, and the contractor. They don't list them that way in that part of the FAR that you just read, but that's what they are. And at contract award, the roles change. It's still the acquisition team. It might be the same people. It might not. After the deciders have chosen which company will do the work, the doers pick it up from here and ensure that the work is delivered. And until that work is delivered, it's still the acquisition team. You're still trying to acquire and then deliver a product or service. Exactly. It's, it's not officially acquired until it's delivered. <laughs> like the, the point of the, the point of this whole FAR isn't to just award contracts. It's to get the stuff through the contract. The contract is a means to get the stuff. So the three doers are delivering whatever the contract was for. The three doers are working together to make sure that the thing or things that the contract is for actually get delivered, actually get acquired. We've talked about this many different ways. It's not like there's some horn that goes off and then everybody's <laughs> role changes. You know, they know they know that now it's different, right? But Musical chairs. the person that was evaluating your proposal in during the acquisition time zones might now be from from someone you're trying to convinced to award you, they might now be your greatest partner in making sure that, that it's delivered properly, right? It, it's the same person, different role. All right, enough about that. Very much like the three deciders, two out of three is not enough. You have to have all three to get this thing delivered, this stuff delivered. Yeah, if you only have the customer and the contractor, so two out of three, you have a need and a solution, but you don't have the ability to execute the contract. You don't have the ability to get paid. You don't have the ability to modify the contract when things change. You don't, you don't have the ability to make sure that the contractor has a vehicle under which to be able to deliver. If you have the customer and the contracting officer, well, now you have a requirement and you have an authority to execute and fund the contract, yay, but you don't have anybody to do the work. <laughs> you kind of need the contractor to make sure the work gets done, right? You have no solution. So a customer who has a need and a contracting officer to award a contract, but no contractor to make sure that that need gets met. Yeah. Not good. The last scenario is if you have the contractor and the contracting officer. Well, now you have a capability of a solution to do some work and a contract to pay the contractor to do it. 
but you don't have anybody to deliver to and, and, and approve the acceptability of the work. Of course, the risk here is you deliver something that the customer doesn't actually want. Right. Or, or they used to want, but it's taken so long now they don't want it anymore. Right. The, the, uh, the whole acquisition process took so long and then the building process took so long or the delivery process took so long that it's uh, overcome by events. And that's why it's so important to have all three of the doers. Why are we talking about this, Kevin? Why is it so important? Awarding or winning, if you're on the industry side, the contract is only the start. The purpose of winning was to get here. It, the, the purpose of winning was to deliver. The purpose of awarding the contract was to get the delivery. Yep. It's the, it's the other half. When we use the word customer, don't get confused if you're on the industry side. Yes, the customer is the government, but out of the three doers, when we refer to the customer, it's it's the user. It's the 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 person that the product or solution is delivered to. That who who needs it? Who whose mission will it satisfy? The the uh, contracting officer is not necessarily while they are part of the government and therefore the customer. We we're using customer to describe a a subset of the government, the people who actually care whether or not it's it's the people who are going to use what you deliver. And it's a really interesting point that we, we talked about this in a previous episode about the idea of the customer, the user, the person who needs the body armor, the vehicle, the software, whatever. They're also the contracting officer's customer. Yes, because the contracting officer is buying the stuff to give to them, or so, so the contractor can give it to them. So that's what, what makes these three doers so important is that they're both focused on serving the customer. And that's why we, when I talked a minute ago about Steve saying to the contractor and the contracting officer on the same team, you're both serving the customer as doers. Whereas during the acquisition time zones, you were not. You were on two separate sides of the table. Right. And now that the contractor has been awarded, that that's really, that's only the start. A, a contract Awarding the contract might be considered a victory or winning the contract might be considered a victory. But the whole purpose of that victory was so that you can deliver something, right? You did the whole pre-award stuff to get to this point. And this, now that the contract has been awarded, now you need to balance all three doers' needs in order to be successful. They report to three different chains. To They have three different needs, right? So the customer... Again, we just talked about that. They're focused on mission success. They, they need to get the work done. They, they are the customer of both the contractor and the contracting officer. They have the need for whatever the contract is for. The contractor, their, their need, their focus is sustaining and building their business <laughs> and actually making sure they get paid, right? They're, they're concerned about the CPARs, about their past performance. They're concerned about being a, a low maintenance contractor and continuing to grow their business through being a through selling to the government effectively. Yeah. You hope they're concerned about being a low maintenance contractor. Can't be yeah, convinced that they all care about that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fresh in my head because we talked about being a low maintenance contractor in, in our recent um, contracting officer's point of view session that I did a few weeks ago. That idea of, of being a low maintenance contractor, it, this is when it applies, is after you've gotten the contract, how do you deliver in a way that makes you a low maintenance contractor? Because that's one of the things that the contracting officer cares about is making sure that this, this contract is, is legally executable. It, it meets the mission success, right? There's no claims. There's a minimal amount of modifications, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And contracting officers get, might get judged on the inside about the, the, no, the no mistakes, contracts all legal and all that. From the outside, from the, from the contractor's side, you're kind of 
rating contracting officers on their responsiveness, right? How quickly do they get back to you? Their transparency, how open they are with what's going on and how long things will take and why they're doing things. And also clarity, like, do I understand all this obscure government stuff, how it affects me as a contractor? If you don't have communication between all three of those doers, you could impact your ability to deliver on the contract, deliver the product or service to the end user in the end. And communication is required because we, we got to prioritize our time between all the different things that, that each one of the, the, the three doers cares about. You have allocation of, of resources or, or potential resources to be able to make sure that the contract is being performed within the schedule. Are there enough contractor, con, again, contractor or personnel to do that? Are there enough customer people to accept the delivery when it shows up or be able to manage the staff when they show up. Uh, likewise, when the contracting officer, can you keep up with the modifications? To your point, Paul, are you being clear about what the next step is? Are you responsive to the modifications that need to happen? Is there a clear understanding of, of what the quality of contract performance? We, we may have been clear on what the evaluation criteria were to win the contract, but what's the expectation after? Like, it is on time early enough? Is, is, is it meeting the schedule? It, does it meet the overall supply chain issues of the particular manufacturing process or what this contract may be for? There's so many nuances to this. And I could tell the stories of getting a call from the contractor on my cell phone, and they're asking me a question about delivering a particular product. And I remember looking back how unclear I was because I wasn't standing in front of my contract. I didn't have the contract in front of me. And I was very leery of giving them contractual direction without context. That result of that phone call, I probably confused the crap out of the contract. <laughs> and so what I should have done looking back is let me get back to my office. Let's make sure that we're clear on this. But that's an example of now the contractor isn't sure what the next move is because I didn't give them clear direction and who's not being served the customer. So the three doers, all three of us matter. Yeah. And this can really go uh, badly, poorly for, for all parties. We had one where we were uh, building this, I'll say this thing for for the government. And once we got to the point where we had actually built it and you could touch it and, and walk around it, the customer, the user, the person that was going to use it, walked in and said, wow, I want that thing over there. Like, move that. It doesn't make sense to have it over here. In order for this thing to work for me well, it needs to be over here on this other side and, and work slightly differently. So we said, great. Give us a modification and we'll change that. A contract modification will change that because it's going to cost more to, to do that. But we don't want to put it here because if we put it here, then we'll have to move it later. So we'll just stop working for now until, until it gets moved over till we get a modification to move it to the other side. The customer went back to the contracting officer, said we want to change this. Took forever, <laughs> a long time. No modification coming. Meanwhile, we're going to be late delivering on the contract. Eventually, we were late delivering on the contract, never got the contract modification. And we said, well, we're going to meet our contract. And we delivered it, built it the way it was originally specced out, delivered it. Customer's not happy with it. It's not what they want. They wanted the, the thing inside it on the other side. Eventually, we got a contract modification after we delivered it, picked this thing back up, Modify it. Costs more to, of course, it's done now. So now it costs more to modify it to build it the way that the customer wanted it and re-deliver it. But that is a story of how the communication and responsiveness between 
the three doers led to us having to deliver something that met the contract but wasn't what the customer wanted that then cost more money and took more time to deliver in the end. And it could have been very smooth because the customer knew in time, the user knew in time, I want this to be different, just needed to get the paperwork done properly. It's such a great story because there's so many layers to it because it could, could have been things like the contracting officer is one of 100 contracts. They didn't realize this had a timeline to it, maybe. Uh, could have been that the requirement wasn't documented well enough that the contractor was contracting officer was comfortable managing the, the negotiation. Could have felt like the negotiation may have gone thorny. There's all these things that could have happened. All of them are fixed by communication. Maybe they didn't have the money. And, there you go. Maybe the money wasn't available to make the change. If they would have said, hey, we're going to extend the delivery date, just stop stop working on it. The modification won't be able to be awarded until November or whatever. You know, the money's available then. So just stop for now and we'll modify the contract later. And we'll include a little money for the cost of stopping and storing this stuff. In the Anyway, absolutely. There's a lot of reasons that if everyone would have been talking, there would have been a lot less frustration in the process because literally all th- all three doers were frustrated with each other. <laughs> what, what's that? What's that saying we've used on here? The Stephen Covey rule that frustration is a, is a result of misaligned expectations. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of expectations, the other expectation of any uh, contracting officer podcast is that we say something about the acquisition time zones and the execution time zones. Where does what we're talking about fit in the whole government acquisition process? Like we said, We've moved past the acquisition time zones where the three deciders reign, and we've crossed the threshold into the execution time zones, the honeymoon zone, the performance zone, the recompete zone, and the wrap-up zone where the three doers get things done. Reign. Yeah. <laughs> like your point, the three doers reign in the execution time zone. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with the execution time zones, we cover those in episode number 372. Let's refresh quickly on why specifically the government cares about the three doers and their roles. As we just talked through this, all three doers matter for lots of reasons. Well, don't assume that industry knows the influence that each doer has. Um, As a contracting officer, I often assume that the contractor understood our contractual relationship was different than the relationship with with the customer, with the government customer. They may not know that. Like you said, Paul, what if they don't realize that the, the lack of funding is what's getting in the way of the contracting officer being able to award the modification? Don't assume they know these things. The things that I thought contractors just knew, I'm, I'm shocked because, again, they don't, they don't have context. Yeah. Context. When I'm a CO, once I award a contract, the users, there, there's a part of the acquisition team still is very involved with the contractor to get it delivered. But I'm off to the next three or four things that I'm doing that I'm trying to award. Right. So when the contracting officer calls and says, Hey, what about this? Or I need help. It's might not be on the the tip of my tongue. I might not have the instant recall because, because I've, I've moved on, right. Understanding that the industry folks may not understand where your focus is or what your role is, is very important when you're on the government side. Navigating that is what a lot of our clients use Skyway for is I need to understand what, what does the contracting officer need to facilitate this action or inaction or whatever? And expecting the contracting officer to, to take the time to explain it to you, that can be a heavy lift versus you know, we've done it. <laughs> so we can walk you through what they're looking for. But that idea of the contracting officer sometimes assumes you know things that you don't know. From the industry side, the degree to which each 
person, each doer matters is dependent on a lot of different complexities of the, (laughs) of of the situation of the contract. We'll pick a couple of them. The uniqueness of the requirement Uh, as a contracting officer, do I really understand what we're buying? I mean, when I bought facility support, I understood it. When When I bought training, I understood it. When I bought telemetry tracking services, <laughs> I understood kind of what they did, but I needed the program manager, the government customer, to tell me if the contractor did it right. Yeah, if I'm buying facility support or or we always use like the landscaping example, landscaping You're services, another, right? Get another deck on your house. Yeah, I <laughs> I understand about how many people the contractor might need to support the facility or to do all the landscaping or or mow the grass on the the government facility, right? That's fairly easy to understand. But how many people does it take the contractor to design and build a new B-21 bomber? Well, (laughs) the contracting officer probably needs some help understanding this. Uh, That's a very complex system, right? And that's... Two complete mowing the grass to uh, B-21 bombers, two completely different ends of the spectrum. Depending on the complexity, remember that the contracting officer may not be the authority on that particular thing. They don't want to, they don't want to buy it, but not how it all works. Yeah, and that's important after award because things like, is it reasonable to extend this for a month or two months or six months? I'm leaning on the on the one of the other doers, the customer, to tell me if when the contractor said, I need six more months, is that reasonable? That same kind of stuff was happening during the acquisition time zones, during the, the source selection process, but it needs to happen in m- much more quickly <laughs> during the doers, or you have problems like you described a minute ago, Paul, where the contracting officer is not getting the mod done fast enough and it creates this snowball effect. Contract type and the size of the contract also impact the degree to which the different players matter, the different doers matter. A fixed price contract for products is probably fire and forget for the contracting officer. Meanwhile, the user is deeply involved in, I need my stuff, I need my stuff, right? They're trying to satisfy a mission somehow. And for the contractor, it it could take days, months, or years to build something, to build a product to deliver. It's not fire and forget for them. And on the other end of the spectrum, we may have time materials for services or, or research and development that's incrementally funded. In this case, the contracting officer is engaged in a lot of activity, like providing incremental funding, for example, and making sure payments are being done and tracking the, the, the funding. That's the opposite of fire and forget. So contract type from fixed price versus time material impacts how engaged is the contracting officer doer versus the other two. Yeah, and I think cost type contracts are the most uh work, most effort, most, most complex type for, for everyone. The contracting officer is generally very engaged there. The user may not be engaged in the, the contract piece, but they also, they're very engaged in the, the build, usually very engaged in the build process. Anyway, enough about contract types. I mentioned the size of the contract also matters, right? A simple delivery contract or a simple service contract may mean that the contracting officer is not involved at all. If it's a multi, multi hundred million dollar services contract, the contracting officer may be very involved in many changes to make sure that the the services are delivered. Another factor is if it's a big contract, the contracting contracting officer's representative, we did a podcast episode about them, they may only have this one contract. 
if it's a smaller one, it could be one of lots <laughs> that the contracting officer's representative is managing, which, which means that the engagement of the customer, the contracting officer's representative usually falls into the customer side of the three doers. They're going to be more or less engaged depending on, on what, what the size of the contract is. How, how much of their day does it consume? Similar to the three deciders, where as the size of the contract increases above micro-purchase to simplified acquisition procedures to FAR 16.5 to FAR 15, that impacts how much involvement you get from each one of the three deciders. Same thing here. As the size of the contract and the complexity goes up, it impacts the degree of which one of the deciders is doing the most work. Yeah. yeah. The last thing that I'll, I'll bring up about industry caring, industry cares about how, how to get paid Right, especially if you're on the DOD side and you're using wide area workflow for a simple fixed price delivery contract where you're delivering a product, it might be very clear how you enter the information and get paid, or or you might even be uh, paid via government credit card or or a a simpler method than wide wide area workflow for a complex contract with many different line items. It can be very complicated. You may need the contracting officer's help to decipher how to enter the data. You may need a contract modification to update the data in the system to, to match what you need. And this contracting officer's representative that you mentioned, Kevin, may have to approve many different, accept many different line items uh, as delivered in order to get paid. It can be very complex. For simple things, the contracting officer may not even know what happened because it's accepted and paid I, I don't know, not not behind their back, but but below their level of of need to pay well, attention yeah, to, a, right? It's approved automatically. Like 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 your example of a firm fixed price product. Once a contracting officer approves the the contract action, the contractor invoices through wide area workflow. The con- customer approves it. Payment's done. Yeah, contracting officer just trusts the system took care of them. When that doesn't happen. They need somebody to call. That somebody that usually calls is going to be the contracting officer. So I don't have somebody to call, but I can say we should call it here and wrap up. So to wrap this up, the, the three doers, what did you call it? They reign in the execution time zones, just like the three deciders did in the acquisition time zones. And they may be some of the same people. They may not. Uh, they they may have they have different roles at different times. But knowing your counterpart's role in each stage of the, the time zones is going to improve contract management. The way things can go better after contract award is when the contractor, the customer, and the contracting officer understand each other's roles in getting the work done. Yeah, they're all interconnected. And if you understand how the roles change and what the, what the responsibilities are during the execution time zones, you have a better probability of a successful mission outcome or a successful contract if you are the contractor. I'll be talking about this to- this topic of the the three doers in an upcoming contracting officer point of view session on January 9th. Uh, if you're a Skyway client, these these are included in, in your relationship with us. Uh, if you're not, you can actually sign up at skywayacq.com/copov, as in contracting officer's point of view. And I'll be digging into this concept that you and I just covered, Paul, of the three doers. And it's a live session uh, at 1 p.m. I believe on January 9th. 1 p.m. Eastern. Okay. With that, Kevin, I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you, Paul. That's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. 
When you're in the midst of contract administration woes and you want to understand more about how the three doers interact, Skyway's team of former contracting officers is here to help. Visit SkywayACQ.com to learn more. We've also organized our podcasts into playlists by topic area. You can find that at SkywayACQ.com slash COP for Contracting Officer Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and we'll see you next time.